Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Wednesday, June 28th, and the three best friends are here with you. George Kerr, Tyler Snyder, Cody Roadcap. Guys, how you doing? Almost to July, almost getting to important football activities. Define yeah. important. Training camp happens starting in July. It's pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> important for the players, not important for the fantasy players. Except the injuries, as long uh, as you're up on the injuries. Yeah. Well, it just means we're getting one step closer. And this offseason has felt even longer than usual, in my opinion, because there's just been nothing happening. Yeah, it's been slow. And I mean, this is the first time in a month the three of us are together. And boys, I'm a little disappointed. It seems like the energy is low across the board, despite the first time in a month, the three of us back together. I think it's because the I one person that was actually here and he mentioned it was Tyler for both shows, which doesn't happen so. ever. It's, it's rare. Guys, you cannot reset hey. your days since Tyler missed a podcast board over there. Like it has to stay. <laughs> My Don't attendance has been really good lately, so you can't you can't be judging me. Off season tie. Whoa. All right. Let's let's not do that. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you're tired of hearing us talk, but at least talk about not football. But you can join our discussion about football and make sure you follow us on all the social medias at thecouchgms.com and that Discord chat. The link is in the description of the video or podcast. We're just going to have some fun here today with some segments. So why don't we start off with a segment we call Growers versus Showers. Right, and this little segment I came up with, uh, mainly because I liked the name, I thought it was funny. Uh, so, basically, we're going to be discussing our growers for the season and our showers for the season. Uh, our growers are the guys that maybe didn't perform up to par last year, um, but we are expecting a bigger season this year. We think they're going to grow in potential. We think they are going to be a lot better this year. Our showers are going to be our guys that maybe performed above expectations last year. They were all show this year. We're not expecting the same. Um, so basically, who do you think is going to be improving and who do you think is going to be falling off? But a much better name than the other podcast. That's why you listen to us. Hey, whatever it takes. Am I right? Uh, right. De definitely uh, was loved the name for this one. We are no longer doing Manscaped ad reads. Uh, so this is not sponsored, but I think the coach still works. So go back, listen to one of those episodes if you need 20% off. Uh, but George. <laughs> we still love Manscaped. I don't know if which team you're on, but are you ready to share your first grower? I am ready to share my first grower. I am going to start with running backs. And it's going to be a guy that I feel like at least Cody and I hyped up a lot last year. Never really showed. J.K. Dobbins. So. Shocker. His <laughs> girlfriend's a Ravens fan. I mean, he's like obsessed. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, we saw him on some of those runs that he actually broke for big yardage, and he looked awkward running, coming back from that knee injury. He had to go on the injured reserve again and get a second scope. And now that he's more than a year and a half separated from the knee injury, um, did stay healthy for the second half of the season. The fact that they're probably going to try to protect Lamar a little bit more now that he's the richest quarterback per year in NFL history. Um, the running backs might actually get some more carries. So I think there's a lot going for J.K. Dobbins this year. Hey, man. 
like the term of this segment. It's not about what it looks like. It's how you finish. So J.K. Dobbins could have a bounce back season uh, like you mentioning. I, I guess I'll go next because I'm talking. And I also have a running back for my first one. But I need to get a ruling. And if you guys don't know, I could show you my our, our thread where we're talking about this episode. I asked like 400 questions about this segment because my brain just – can I count one that was has been good but then had a down year because of injury to bounce back in a strong way for a grower? Dude, if they're going to be growing this season, I'll take it. Okay. So maybe it's a cop-out answer. Maybe it's not. But the 36th ranked running back last year was Jonathan Taylor. And – that's pretty low for a guy that you probably took second overall in your draft. And there's probably some hesitancies. They they have a new quarterback. We're expecting Anthony Richardson to be there. New head coach, all this stuff. What do you do with Jonathan Taylor? Well, I'm here to tell you, I was not on the hot takes episode, but I think he's right back up there in, you know, top five fantasy running backs again this year. So I'm all back in on the Jonathan Taylor train as long as he can stay healthy, which I think he can. And I think he will have a bounce back. And he was a little cold last year, okay? We all know what happens when you get cold. It's going to be hot in Indianapolis, and he's going to be a grower. If that was going to be your hot take from last week's hot takes episode, you are not close to hot enough. No, I I, I know. I heard the episode. <laughs> Alexander Madison, the episode? 2,000 yards. I, Look, we were it's... going to the hottest takes, so make sure you go back and listen to it if you haven't. This is... Totally yeah, I don't know if that a was a good promo or a bad promo. Episode. It was definitely worth checking out, so definitely go do it. <laughs> yeah, way to just like crap on our episode. Look, I'm not a big fan of when I'm listening to the radio or I'm listening to other people talk about hot takes and like, okay, here's my hot take for this year. <laughs> Mike Evans is going to catch two touchdowns in a game. Like, don't care. What a stupid hot take. Like, give me some actual hot takes. Give me something that is out there but still has a chance of hitting. Um I want some excitement. So we did that. We judging the line actually hit, but it could. You. Why couldn't it? If he's a leading running back for that team, I mean, there's always that chance. Uh, I don't see it, which is why it's called a hot take. But there's always that chance. Anyway, I'm rambling. So since you guys are going running backs, I'm going to stay on the same train. I'm going to go with the running back as well. Uh, my running back was running back 42 last year. He had uh, quite a bit of hype and didn't really live up to it. On the stat sheet, he's right down there with uh, guys like Brian Robinson, Rashad White, Samaje P. Ryan, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, some great names. Um, going with Jets running back Brees Hall. Uh, I, I think that the Jets are really starting to move forward. Look at how much Aaron Rodgers leaned on his running game in Green Bay. I think now that he's with the Jets, he's going to be doing the same. And I think Brees Hall is going to take a step forward this year. I think he's going to move up there in the ranks big time over his 42nd ranked from this year. So, Brees Hall, my grower. Be interested to see if he starts on PUP or not. That's my bit. Uh, or, because they're they've also been linked to Dalvin Cook because they're just bringing in everybody because that's what they're trying to do this year. So, I think if they do, that leans to Brees starting on PUP. But if he's ready in week one, I 100% agree with your assessment, which doesn't happen often, as longtime listeners know. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I so, mean, one of the most explosive rookie running backs in a while. It was unfortunate what happened. There's definitely a good chance. Are you going to tell me to go next here, Cody? I was going to ask you, do we want to take a break from growers and do a, a round of showers and then come back, or you want to do it? give me another grower? 
Oh, no, we can go to showers. We can mix it up a little bit. Are you going to go? Because that means you... I'm going first. Okay. Well, you yeah, went first last time. <laughs> Keep All <the> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Cody was sending us a million and a half questions about this segment, he was I was trying to give him an example of somebody who could qualify as a shower, and he's actually going to be my first one. So that'll be Christian Kirk, wide receiver for the Jaguars. So I still think he's going to have a decent year, but there's like he's only had now one season in his career where he's been as effective of a wide receiver as he was last year. He was really coming on the scene out of nowhere, essentially, besides the fact that they gave him a million and a half dollars in the contract. But uh, he's also got Calvin Ridley to deal with there now. We kind of forgot about Calvin Ridley because he had the year suspension from the gambling issue. He just got traded there midseason last year, but couldn't play, obviously. Um, Jags team on the rise. They're growers. Christian Kirk. I think he's going to take a step back. He's going to be a shower. Christian Kirk. I think your point about Calvary being there makes a ton of sense. Now they did pay Christian Kirk a lot, so he could still start the season as a guy, you know, gets a lot of target could start out strong or get way too early, but he could be like an early trade deadline. candidate, like try to move him while his value's hot. Because I think Cal really, as he adjusts back into life of the NFL, he's not come back from injury, uh, I think could be a real dominant factor. So I, I do really like that one. Um, I'm going to stick with the running back positions uh, for my shower as well. And this one really hurts me because I love this player. Uh, but I think he superseded, outshowed uh, fantasy potential last year. And that is running back Jamal Williams. Uh, he finished as RB7. He now has switched teams to the New Orleans Saints. Again, we don't know what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara. There's still some uh, question marks around him. So Jamal could start the season uh, as the starter. Uh, but Jamal Williams, despite his breakout year, that was definitely on the back of 17 touchdowns, uh, which definitely should regress. Not, not saying he won't, you know, he could still have eight touchdowns, but that's literally less, that's more than half gone. So he was also only running back inside the top 12 uh, last year that had less than 15 catches. So he's not a real big pass th threat. He had the lowest yards per average at 4.1 uh, out of all those guys in the top 12 last year. So Jamal Williams, I love you. You're one of my favorite players. S stay being yourself, stay playing, you know, in frozen and in SpongeBob, but uh, I'm sorry. You're a shower. We're a shower. Oof. I love you. Oof. Um, so I will say just a little heads up is like, be weary of guys like Jamal Williams. Now, if Kamara goes down, it's going to look like Jamal Williams lead running back. Like we got to, we got to buy into Jamal Williams. Let's sell out. Keep in mind, like we discussed a few episodes ago, which I'm sure you already heard because you listen to every single episode. Thank you for that. Um, there is a lot of big name free agent running backs out there. You have Dalvin Cook. Uh, you have Ezekiel Elliott. You have Leonard Fournette. You have Kareem Hunt. There's big names out there. Um, if a team loses a top guy like Kamara or, you know, if whatever happens with Mixon, he goes like these teams could bring in one of these top free agents. I mean, Cody even said it, even the Jets who already have running backs are looking at bringing in Dalvin Cook. Like these are big name guys sitting there. And if a team wants to win now, they might big in, bring in one of these veterans uh, and try to make that extra push. So you could lose some value. This is a league of running back by committee. It's just the way the league is going now. Um, it sucks for fantasy players, but it's just the way it is. So be wary of that. 
I want to hit you guys with some numbers before we move on from him, too. So I thought, like, oh, yeah, it was all the touchdowns. He didn't get as many carries as we thought. He still actually was in the top, I believe, eight in carries last year. Um, Yes. So okay. now take his I looked carries at and subtract yard... carries inside the 20s. I mean, that's true, too. And that probably could be part of why this stat I'm about to bring up is. So I was looking then at yards per attempt for some of the highest used running backs last year. And he was the lowest out of the top 12 besides one person. And that's Ezekiel Elliott, who's a free agent. And the next closest to him right above him was Dalvin Cook, who's a free agent. So like productivity with those carries, part of it might be because he got so many carries at the one, which, you know, obviously not going to turn into yards per attempt, but maybe not as effective as a, of a running back as it was perceived partly because touchdowns, but yes, exactly. All right. So I, mean, I will I get into, so I, agree. I will get into my shower. Um, and this has been a podcast favorite, a guy that we have been hyping up all last season. We've given all the kudos in the world, but I think he's about to fall off a cliff. And that is quarterback Geno Smith. He was quarterback five last year. And, Look, quarterback five, super impressive. Gino had a great year. I don't want to take anything away from him, but we also need to look at the quarterback position last year. Last year was a year that all of us were sitting there like, dude, why would I draft a quarterback? Like you can get top tier elite quarterbacks in the late rounds. Like a Russell Wilson is falling to round like 15. Like, dude, I can get this top talent. Quarterback sucked last year. Outside of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Joe Burrow, Every other quarterback disappointed or was super inconsistent. Um, there really wasn't any other quarterback that was consistently putting up points on a week-to-week basis. So Geno Smith being up there at five, awesome for him, but it also is, says a lot about the rest of the quarterbacks out there as well. Um, now this year, I think that Geno was playing out of his mind. He got that contract. He can settle in a little bit. I still don't think the Seahawks are that great of a team. Um, I still think that they are going to take a step back. They, I mean, the Seattle Seahawks were a shower last year. So I feel like the whole <laughs> yeah. team is going to step back. Uh, Gino's going to be a part of it, too. The guy is also super prone to interceptions. Um, once he starts making those interceptions, it can get in his head. We could see exactly what happened to him earlier in his career. I think Gino's going to take a step back. He's my shower. The Seahawks were a major beneficiary last year of the two teams that should have also been competitive in their division not being good and the Rams getting decimated injuries, and the Cardinals just not showing up. They also had a killer draft. Yeah. Lucky with the the rookie talent, but... Yeah, I'm with you, Tyler. I don't see Geno Smith replicating that, but there's a chance it could be, like, a solid backup quarterback. Not QB5. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be QB5, but we also need to think, like, they have Kenneth Walker on their team. They took... uh, Charbonnet like they have these good running backs now I feel like they're going to lean on the running back game a little heavier this year last year it seemed like every running back that stepped on the field got hurt and now of course that there's always that possibility this year as well so I feel like they're going to lean a bit heavier yeah basically I think they're going to lean heavier on the running game this year um and that's just going to take away attempts for Gino because Gino threw a lot last year so my question, my follow-up question for this is a little debate here. Uh, Geno Smith. So we have him at five, and I don't think any of us expect him to be at five. 
but do we think he could still be a QB one? So a top 12 guy, or do you think we're talking like, you know, middle 16 to 20 range for, for Geno Smith? Um, I don't know if 16 to 20 is, I would say 12 to 16. Yeah. I think if you go down the list of quarterbacks, I can see 12 guys that I could put above him. Um, so I would say he's that fringe quarterback one. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit, I'd say he's right around that 12. Um, I wouldn't put him in the top 10, but I wouldn't put him as like a definite backup. I'd put him right at that fringe. Yeah. Just a couple Cop names that are deaf. I, I, I feel like are definitely going to do better than him this year. Justin Fields, mostly because of rushing ability. Uh, Cousins has a chance. Not, I'm not really buying it on him. Jared Goff, I think is going to do better than him this year. Justin Herbert could be a rebound. Aaron Rodgers could be a rebound. So just that already knocks him to 10 and that's not even going through nitpicking. So just for fun, I looked it up on fantasy pros where their current rankings are and Geno Smith is 14th. So I think 12 to 16, 14th, right in the middle, but he, Kirk cousin is 13th. Aaron Rodgers is 15th. Jared Goff is 16th. So literally three of the four names you just mentioned, according to them are right there with Geno Smith as as well and i tend to agree i didn't even look far enough down to see lamar jackson and tua down there too they're also pretty much givens they're probably definitely way above him in that ranking so all right george back to growers back to growers my second grower is the most hated position in fantasy football the tight end position um somebody who i think i was kind of reminded the other day as i just like kind of let the youtube wormhole go and i ended up on some like top plays from the 2022 season and i saw tj hawkinson tj hawkinson (laughs) in a lions jersey come up like five times it felt like in the top 100 and then obviously he went to minnesota at the trade deadline never quite got the connection down. And it's number one, hard to learn a new offense in the middle of the season. Number two, I don't know if they entirely you about to list TJ Hawkinson as a grower. The, the Bro number, two number two tight end last year. The number two, tight end. Grow to, number one. <laughs> but if you look at it, his second half of the season was very disappointing. Maybe he had a couple of games near the fantasy championship that were decent, but Once he got traded, it was not great. So second half, TJ Hawkinson is a grower. Man, that's a that's a feel like that's more of a cop out answer than Cody's Jonathan Taylor. (laughs) I think Derrick Henry's gonna be a grower this year. He finished four. I'm predicting three. Like (laughs) what? What is that? You're also talking you're also talking about running backs as opposed to tight ends when all the tight ends stink. Besides Kelsey. Maybe Kittle. Maybe Andrews. That's it. <laughs> cute. I didn't mention Hawkinson. There's there's your answer. Dude, I'm just doing quick math here on you. Yeah. And uh I'm pretty sure if you would like split the season, what is it, after week nine? Uh the points numbers would be kind of similar. Interesting. I mean 86 receptions, 129 targets. He had his mo- his most targets came with the the Vikings. The second one is tied with the Vikings. He had 112 target game with the Lions. 
I'm throwing a flag. Repick. <laughs> also, this just go. <laughs> that was yeah, the point we'll of the repick, to... so I could I could think of somebody else. <laughs> oh, All did right, he so... take your pick of T.J. Hawkinson? <laughs> no, no, Mister. Oh, we have to repick it, but I picked him too. No, Is that I what happened. No, I was not going to pick him. I was going to take a cop out answer again. And take oh. Cooper Cup, but then I got called out for it, so now I was pivoting. Last <laughs> yeah, second. you can't do two of them now. Come on now. Yeah, that's that's fine. So hang on, I gotta get back to my stats page. Tell you what, I was why don't you take a pause and you think about it, George? You take a pause and think about it, and I'm gonna take a poop break. So let's uh, let's pause for a sec. Sorry. All right, so we're we're back after Tyler left us for his quick break. Uh, but we're talking growers and showers, and I am I doing a grower or a shower? I should have asked this before. We're on growers, man. You are doing a grower, right? Growers, and I have my guy. I have my shower <laughs> too, but my grower is a wide receiver. Surprise, surprise! I had to get one in there, and it's a guy going into his second year. He was one of my favorite prospects coming out of the draft. He took my guy. Is it? It's George Pickens. <laughs> Uh, wide receiver 31 last year, top 12 potential coming in this year. I think you could look at Kenny Pickett right in that same vein as where Geno Smith might end up. So t- taking that back to who George's shower was from the last round. Uh, but yeah, I think second year in the offense, the dude's a playmaker. George Pickens, he's ready to break out. He's ready to grow. Nice. Nice. I like the pick. Um Solid choice. I wasn't my guy. You didn't steal my guy, but you know, you apparently stole Georgia. So if two people were willing to say it, then it has to be a good pick, right? Um, I'll go right blowing. on the mind then, since uh, George copped out for his answer and picked the second best scoring tight end last year as his grower. I just I can't. Um, anyway, so my guy is not ranked second. He's ranked fifty fourth for wide receivers. Um, that's how you pick a grower, George. Just saying. I am taking a Colts wide receiver, um, which I didn't think I'd ever say. And the Colts now have a rookie quarterback taking over, Anthony Richardson. And like I always say, rookie quarterbacks like to throw to two things. One is the tight end, but I'm not taking Jelani Woods. Don't care. Not taking Moelle Cox. Don't care. Defense? A defense? (laughs) Uh, No. The other thing a rookie quarterback likes to throw to is the slot wide receiver. Now, the Colts have a new slot wide receiver. Former Bills receiver Isaiah McKenzie is taking over. He's going to be their slot wide receiver this year, and I think that he is about to have a big increase. I think he's going to slot into the system really nice. I think that his speed and athleticism is going to mix really well with Anthony Richardson. Um, I was actually close to picking Alec Pierce as my grower, um, but I shifted more towards Isaiah McKenzie instead. Um, I just think that the slot wide receiver and a rookie quarterback mesh well, really, really well together. These two are going to get along just fine. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie is my grower. It's a good one. That's one I wouldn't have thought of. So nicely done. George, if you, you don't have another one, we'll let it slide. And you can I, on too. I have one more that you'll probably shit on too. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, so you guys. It sucks. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Stupid. Okay. Did you miss us? Yes, I totally <laughs> did. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go with a second year wide receiver that's not George Pickens. Uh, somebody who was growing up in the system with their now starting quarterback in Washington, Jahan Dotson. 
Jahan Dotson. I thought you were so, about to pick Tyreek Hill. Look, I was, I was ready for it. Second year wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Where's he? I want to see where he is for Dynasty. No, I heard wide receiver. I just assumed you were going to pick the second highest scoring wide receiver. That's all. No, you're <laughs> Jahan Dotson. He had a lot of um, flashes last year. He actually still in limited time with injuries averaged about 9.4 half PPR points a game. Um, but I think there's a great chance that that can go up as he works into the offense more, hopefully stays healthy this year. Um, yeah. All right. Why don't you just roll right off with your, uh, your shower now that you had to go twice. All right. <laughs> My other shower. Now, We'll see how you guys react to this one. Um, I He already started to struggle last year, um, which is why I'm seeing maybe you guys will be a little mad about this one, but I think it's going to get even worse. And I wanted to kind of use this as a PSA as well as maybe he's a little more hype than we thought he was. Debo Samuel. So Debo, Sa- right. Debo Samuel has only had one year where he's really been blow us away impressive. He's obviously had his rookie year where he showed so many flashes. 2020 was an injury year. 2021, he was absolutely amazing. And then last year, he kind of regressed back to what could be his norm. But I think it could get even worse because he was out a lot with injury after they traded for Christian McCaffrey. But the Swiss Army knife there could take away some of his running back touches as well as maybe some of his short yardage catches. They still have Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle there as well. And the quarterback situation is a little bit sketchy. We really don't know who's going to end up playing there. We just know they're going to end up in the Super Bowl with Sam Darnold and winning. So (laughs) Debo Samuel really concerns me. He is my shower. Yeah. Sorry, I'm Uh, kind of... So I get it. I do. I get I get this because I had okay. the same debate with some other players. I get it. Uh, I don't know if it qualifies in the term of this argument. He was the 38th best wide receiver last year, uh, 28th in points per game. That's what I was counting. But I get your point. Like, he has the name value where people still think about his season two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. and, cause, and I'll piggyback off of that. This isn't my actual pick, but I thought about including DeAndre Hopkins. I didn't because he's not on a team. But he's a guy I think – no matter where he goes, will get drafted on name value alone, but is probably past his prime and would be considered a shower. So I get it um, 100% with the, what you're saying. And I do think it's important to point out, like Brandon Ayuk scored more points with him. George Kittle came out and said, Brandon Ayuk tore up our defense. Like that was the guy they drafted in the first round. He was in the doghouse for a little bit, but it seems like he is going back to taking over the number one spot in, you know, and there's still Christian McCaffrey there, still George Kittle as well. So it's a lot to go around. I think you mentioned that next week or last week when you were talking about the hot take that Sam Darnold led him or is going to lead the 49ers to uh, the playoffs. I now went on a rant or following up with George that I forgot my player. I knew I should have written it down. Cody, I can go so you have time to think about it. Yeah. That's all right. So you just mentioned DeAndre Hopkins, and you mentioned how he is past his prime, but he's still going to get drafted on name value alone. Um, look, Hopkins is 31. He's going to be playing with a new quarterback, and he is probably past his prime and still will get drafted on name value alone. However, what if I told you there's another wide receiver who's only one year younger, also has a new quarterback, and will also be 
drafted high on name value alone. I, it is Mike it's, Evans. It's my guy. Oh, my guy was oh, Chris Godwin. Ah, so I we're <laughs> on the same page. We're on the same page here. I'm going Mike Evans. I feel like Mike Evans has been kind of struggling with the lingering injuries recently, which kind of makes me nervous. DeAndre or um, Chris Godwin's been struggling with the bigger injuries. Uh, either way, they're both struggling with injuries. They're on a team that is definitely on the downswing, definitely on a rebuild. Um, they got Baker Mayfield stepping in, which look, I honestly hope Baker Mayfield shows up and is a top five quarterback. Not going to happen, but I hope it would make me so happy. I'm actually rooting for Baker. Um, but I don't see it. I, I see him struggling. I see the Bucks in general struggling. And I do think Mike Evans is past his prime and is going to start going down. He was still the 16th best wide receiver last year. He has been a consistent top wide receiver every single year. And every year someone tries to say, well, this isn't going to be the year for Evans. He's finally done. And every year he shows us, you know, he's still got it. But I think this year I'm going to be the one that says it. I'm going to be the one that says Mike Evans is past his prime. He's on the downswing. I think he is a shower now. Last year was a shower. Yeah, and as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh, wait, I think you're talking about my guy. And like I said, it was going to be Chris Godwin. For a lot of a lot of it has to do with Baker Mayfield. And he's a guy that we can root for, but we have to see it to believe it. The good news is, if you are still a Baker stand, he's in a pretty bad division. Like, you think the Saints might be the best team just because they're the most veterans and the Panthers are the oddball with the first overall pick and then whatever's left in Tampa and the fourth team is escaping me because that's just how bad that the Falcons exactly my point uh so poor Falcons hey they have Bijan number one pick in dynasty drafts congrats uh since you did take uh Mike Evans I will pivot here I will say Chris Godwin was a guy there um but i will go down a little bit uh to not quite top 25 he's sitting at number 26 uh, i don't want to pick him either because george i was going to pick zay jones but that was george picked christian kirk so i'm just copying everybody so we're gonna you we'll, suck you at this. We'll, i know i'm doing so so bad so here this I'll is what happens when we're like oh let's just surprise each other here <clears throat> yes, we should have instead of like oh let's write this out on our rundown no this is <laughs> this is a train wreck and i love all it. right just for one i'll go back to the tight end position i'll take tight end five and he should be there i don't know why he is uh Taysom hill the dude has shown out for three years now it is finally time for hopefully the new quarterback they're not going to take Derek Carr off they finally, I thought he was going to end up with Sean Payton. He didn't. Uh, but yeah, Taste Hill, he was tight end five with uh, nine catches. Yep. Tight end five well, with nine catches. He was basically um, playing Wildcat quarterback. So this year true. he's going to play running back. So last year he was what? Tight end quarterback eligibility on ESPN. This year it's going to be running back quarterback eligibility because they're going to lose Alvin Kamara. Probably Jamal Williams is going to be their only guy left. And they're going to find a way to use Taysom Hill because they always do. And it makes us all angry. So he's going to be a running back this year. That's my prediction. I hate this Taysom is not, the, this is not the hot takes episode. You should do that last week. Well, is it even that much of a hot take knowing how they just throw him in there wherever the heck they want to. And he happens to produce enough to ruin everyone else on that team's fantasy value. As a guy who owned 
Alvin Kamara, as a guy who had Chris Olave, as a guy who had to pick up Jawan Johnson because the tight ends are garbage, as a guy who was a Rashid Shahid truther and still will be to the end of time, and this man's going to break out. I can't stand Taysom Hill because it, it never fails. They get down close to the red zone and they're like, all right. Let's bring in Taysom. Let's let him get the touchdown. And you know it's coming. You know as soon as he hits the field, yeah, they're they're going to give it to Taysom Hill. Like, all of us are sitting at home going, Taysom Hill's going to get it. They, they only ever give it to him. And yet, somehow, he's always wide open, uncovered, like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Touchdown. Same with Jamal Williams. I love Jamal Williams as a person. Hated him for fantasy last year. Absolutely hated him. As a guy who owned DeAndre Swift in way too many leagues, I'm like, wow, Swift is making these epic jukes and cuts and hurdling people, and he is doing great. Oh, they got to the 10. He's out of the game. Jamal Williams, touchdown. And again, Jamal Williams comes into the game like he's trying to break the rushing touchdown record. Obviously, they're going to give it to him. Still gets it. Like I can't stand these guys. Thank you for backing up my point, by the way. Don't get used to it. I'm not. Whatever I did, you're welcome. Backed up that Taysom Hill is annoying. Anyway. I oh, think yeah. that wraps up growers and showers. Is that is that everybody? Yeah. All right. One more segment before we get out of here. We're going to uh, keep the talk on fantasy football. And while we talk about some fantasy football rules that can elevate your lead. All right. So I know Cody and I saw some TikToks this past week or two weeks that uh, kind of was the inspiration for this segment. Um so I don't know if you want to go first or not, Cody, but we're going to talk about some interesting rules that aren't in you know these standard or you know platform run leagues that you can do to either make your league you know more interesting or you know add some more things in the off season, whatever it might be. Um, Cody, do you want to go first? Sure, and I, I think when we go through this, we have a couple. This covers the whole gamut of fantasy, whether it's scoring, whether it's just league camaraderie, all that, mm-hmm. but. Since I get to go first, there's one place I have to start. And if you've been with us for all 170 episodes, you know exactly, know exactly where I'm exactly going. exactly where this is going, yeah. <laughs> get rid of kickers in fantasy football and make it a second flex position. It makes your league more competitive. It makes waiver wire even more important because depth is so much more important because you're starting an extra skill position. Not a super flex, just a normal wide receiver, tight end, running back, flex position. It makes leagues more competitive. It take Kickers are... Everything in fantasy is up in the air. It is a complete, there's, we no, never know. The top players score three points some weeks. It just happens. But there is literally no rhyme or reason for kickers. They get four field goals attempt one week, zero the next week. That's why one year the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. The number one scoring kicker is uh, Harrison Bucker. The following year, it's Young Hulu on a top five draft pick team in the Atlanta Falcons. Like, Kickers don't make sense in fantasy. Get them out. Split that kicker spot for a second flex spot. You will have a lot more fun playing fantasy football. Kickers' lives matter. Tyler, yeah. do you want me to go uh, next? Do you have one here for us? Or I, I, I love kickers. <laughs> I think they're so funny. I think I love kickers so much because Cody hates them so much. And as Probably. a terrible friend, I, I just root for the chaos. Um. No, mine's pretty simple here, um, and it's the same thing I'd like the NFL to implement. It's, you know, here we go. Here's a rule that the NFL and fantasy should both implement. Get rid of ties. Any ties. None. I, I don't want them. 
I don't think fantasy football should have them. I don't think the NFL should have them. I don't think there should be ties. There should be a winner. Now, if you're in an ESPN league, switch to a different league because ESPN's a terrible platform, in my opinion. Um, but go to a league that maybe has the decimal points so that it is spread out a little bit more. There's less chance of ties instead of the rounded up numbers. Um, or maybe just come up with some fun tiebreakers with your league mates. Talk to your commissioner. Talk to your league. You can come up with something really crazy, something really fun. Or maybe you can come up with a really standard uh, set way to decide it. Like go off of bench points. Go off of whatever you have to do. But don't have ties in fantasy football. It, it's just, it ruins it. So just really quick, what's your favorite way off the top of your head to break a tie? I think the easiest in way the is bench points. Season, at least. Okay. I think bench points yeah. is the easiest way. I mean, we've all been there in the situations where they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I benched this dude who got 40 points. Like, this hurts. But if you tied with somebody, that 40 points could come into play. Um, and suddenly it, you know, it's a lot more valuable. Um, now, it sucks if you're a guy that has like seven people on by and your whole bench is on by and you get zero points. Yes. But look, it's it's part of the game. Um, you're, you take that risk every single week of it potentially being the week you need your bench points, potentially being the week you don't. You can go an entire season without anybody tying. Um, it's not a thing that happens very often, but especially happens more in leagues like ESPN where points are rounded up. But yeah, bench points is my best way to break ties. I've yeah, got I'm an interesting one. Um, so I like bench points the most for playoffs because there's obviously then no buys. Um, so it's kind of like you're looking at who was the strongest overall team in that week. So I like that idea uh, for the regular season. I like either going with who is the highest scoring player in the entire matchup, like out of the starters. So like, oh, if you have one person who went off for 45 points and the other team's highest score had 30, you win because you had that one guy who was basically a hero for you. Or if you want to look at who a team was most consistent, maybe you take the loser is the team that had the lowest scoring starter. So if you had a guy pull out a 0.5 on you and the other team's lowest score was a two, the team with that had the, had the lowest scoring player as a two wins. I think those are both interesting. Yeah, they're interesting. One other one I'd throw in there too. Um, and this one, you have to have an active commissioner, which we've talked in length about why that's important too, but let it be a tie until the following week. And then obviously they're not playing each other, but there's still a game between them on who scores the most points. Interesting. Yeah, that works too. I don't hate that either. It would again stink if they had a lot of buys the next week, they could lose two matchups in that one week, but that's the, I don't hate the idea of that either. At least give, it prevents the, the tie where the one person had all the buys that week. Like you've still set your best roster for each week. That's true. So some good ideas there. I'll start off with an interesting one about trades because we know that trades and vetoes are one of the most annoying things. So we're always, you know, team, you don't veto unless it's collusion. And that's definitely still true. But I saw one person throw out if you would have a counter offer period. So a trade gets accepted and the rest of the league has one day to take the trade package from one of the teams and offer up their own trade package to see if they would rather have who the counter offer would give instead of the original trade. Absolutely hate it only because I can't tell you the amount of times in our history that I have gotten a trade with somebody and Cody immediately jumped in the group chat. Like I offered so much better players for that trade and they looked at mine first and just hit accept. So Cody didn't get the chance. Like 
I'm notorious for sending out crappy trades, but every now and then it hits. So uh, I hate it because Cody would beat me out. No, I, I, I actually don't like it either. I, I feel like I would because wow. I, I like to trade, but I think it takes away like there's no incentive for me to ever then try to make a trade. I'll just wait. Because you could just get. I'll just sit there yeah, and wait gotcha. and see what, what happens. Like, and then there's also like situations too where I've noticed this has happened where sometimes you have to make a trade where it might not be the best offer, but like you're in a must win now. Like you're off to an 0 restart and your top two running backs are now both hurt. So you have to tr- take a little bit of a loss just to try to get competitive again. Like, so. And you've talked to somebody about that, and now, okay, I'm using you for an example, George, because you uh, you took a swing on Jonathan Taylor coming back from injury last year in our league of record, so you traded yes. for him when he was injured. I mean, other people could have not even been thinking about trading for Jonathan Taylor, and you did. Or maybe there's a guy you're trying to acquire that might be two weeks out from returning from IR. We talked about that, like, getting ahead of the curve. And now the whole league is on to it. And they're like, actually, that's a smart move. I think it makes it fantasy football a little bit more lazy in that way. It sounds fun on the surface, uh, but I think if people aren't actively trading, it just gives them a way to, to make trades. Or someone be like, oh, I don't want his trade to be better. I'm going to make this. I already lost five games. We're at the trade deadline. Here, I'll offer you this. This I didn't want to swear this, you know, bad trade just because it gives you more players to screw over, you know, a guy in first place or something like that. That's very true. I mean, I don't like, I didn't really love it to start with. I thought it was just something interesting we should discuss. I hate it even more now that you guys have convinced me. (laughs) All right. I got, I got one for you guys. Um, I heard this one on TikTok and I don't even know if I like this one, but they made some compelling arguments and it was, a sliding scale for points per reception to try to balance things out. So wide receivers uh, were half point. Running backs were a full point. Tight ends were a point and a half. So you can adjust it, but like you see the the sliding Ah. scale situation. So it helps bring up, obviously Travis Kelsey still just becomes an even better tight end. I get that. So, but like it helps bring up the value of the rest of the league and times and running backs helps balance out the scoring. I think that could be fun. I don't know if I'd want to do it my main league, but I would definitely be down to try it. Yeah. I mean, Are if you want to tip the scales, really you could, I was going to say, Sorry, you could even get rid of uh, like the points per reception thing. You could also do it for just anything. So like right now, typical scoring is you get a point for every 10 yards receiving. You could change it that tight ends get a point for every eight yards receiving or a point for every seven yards receiving. Like uh, tight ends can get, you know, instead of six points for a touchdown, they get seven. Like you can really adjust any of the tight end scoring if you don't like the actual point per reception as well um, to try to tip the scales and make tight ends more valuable. Um, I'm not saying I love the idea, but I like Cody said in in like a, a tester league, I wouldn't mind trying it out to see how it works out and see if it makes tight ends more valuable. Yeah, I would almost rather see it simplified. Like, yeah, I get running backs are not as deep, which is probably why they did the one point per running back and then, you know, over the half point for wide receiver. I'd almost rather try it with a half point for running backs and wide receivers and a full point for tight ends, like simplify it slightly. 
Uh, maybe then tight ends aren't going to get enough of a boost. Maybe it'll still be fine. Like I said, I'd have to see, like Tyler said, I'd like to see in the tester league. Um, but I'd hate to boost running like the top end running backs to being too crazy. Like Christian McCaffrey would go absolutely insane having an extra half point per catch over all those top wide receivers. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely your outliers. Like I said, Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. is an outlier in tight end. Like if he gets an extra point for every catch, like that's an outlier. Christian McCaffrey, the same would be interesting. And I think before we get to the next one, it's also a good PSA moment. We're talking about fantasy rules, uh, but if you're a commissioner listening, uh, don't just make a rule change because you're like, hey, these guys said this was a really fun idea. Like, talk to your league about it. Uh, really, the the rule changes should happen during the offseason. So if it's a redraft league, there's still time. If you're in dynasties and keepers, like, you should put it to a league vote just to, uh, if you're going to accelerate a league rule change to this upcoming season. Yeah, and Even another PSA to commissioners. Redraft. Uh, and like, PSA to commissioners, please be active. Like, do not just set up a league on a league and just take the default league settings. We don't want that. Actually, take the time, comb through the rules, see what can be adjusted, what needs changed. Because, like, all leagues should be unique. All leagues should have their own twist. Um, there's nobody out there that there's no one set league that every single person is like. That's the type of league I like. That's the exact format I like. There isn't. And there's people out there that like crazy leagues, people that don't like crazy leagues. Like everybody's different. Everybody likes to play fantasy different. We want to make fantasy fun. That's the entire point. So please be an active commissioner. Look through the rules. Look what can be changed and talk to your league mates about some of these changes you can make. Um, Send someone a tangent, since I'm rambling. I'll go right into my next one. Um, So there's something I've been a big proponent of in fantasy forever. um, And it's trying to make every every week meaningful. And even if you miss the playoffs, like still having a reason to keep playing is a, something I've tried to pushing for a while. Um, it sucks watching everybody else play and you're just chilling there like, great, I have nothing to do. So one that I like is once the playoffs start, there is a consolation bracket. Uh, the consolation bracket is just the bracket that goes on with just the people who've been eliminated from the playoffs. Um, or didn't make the playoffs. So if you made the playoffs but get knocked out, you do not go into the consolation bracket. Now, the rule would be week 18, the week that we never usually play, week 18 would be your league champion faces off against the winner of the consolation bracket. That way, consolation bracket had a, a reason to play. You had a reason to keep playing all the way up until week 18. Now, if the champion beats... uh the consolation bracket winner. Cool. He's already league champ. He's got the money. He's got the belt. He's got the trophy, whatever you have for your league. He gets the ride off in victory with one more win. But if the winner of the consolation bracket beats your league champion, uh, this is where it becomes up to you. The most common one is the champion has to buy the buy-in next year for the Consi winner. I mean, you are the champion of the losers and you just beat the champion. You got to buy their buy-in. Or maybe they get some kind of fun punishment. Maybe they get some kind of uh, fun rules. This is up to you to like twist it and play around with it. But having a matchup between your Concy winner and your champion in week 18. I like it as just something to keep people more engaged throughout the year, like you said. Um, I think it gets a little bit sketchy with like 
how do you work waivers in the playoffs when you're talking about, you know, giving the championship teams a fair shot, but the consolation bracket teams still have to stay active or stuff like that. But um, I like the idea just to keep people active through the entire season. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm of the mindset. I know we've debated this on air, off air. If you miss the playoffs, it is what it is. Like, I'm in that mindset. Like, I'll just watch football. And that could just be the way I play fantasy football. And if I was the champion, I wouldn't want to – I legit just want – I wouldn't want to have to play guys in week 18 who could be on bye, even if it was just to cover someone's buy-in. So this rule's not for me. I can see why some people would like it, but that's also because I'm not the the guy that's, like, trying to make every week count. If I'm out, I'm out. It's part of life. There's other ways that you can keep your league involved through the whole entire year, too. Um, like, for example, we have a draft lottery. Um, we also have a punishment for our 10th place. Not necessarily like a punishment. Like, if they get 10th place one time, like, oh, they're going to have to go do this. But if someone gets 10th place two years in a row, they get they are, there's a vote to kick them from, their, from our league. Like, things like that can still keep people engaged through the entire season, too. Um, which I think is good. So if that even if Tyler's rule is not for you, there's other things out there. I agree. I don't know whose turn it is, but I got another one, so I'm just gonna go. Uh, okay, I'm done. It, do you, I'm out. <clears throat> I've got a couple, but go ahead, Cody. All right. So, I it's kind of new. It's kind of scary. Uh, but I am I used not to believe this, but now I believe Fab, which is free agency acquisition something budget. I forget what the second A stands for. Uh, but you said that it. Free literally was agent it. Oh. acquisition. Budget. Oh, that's right. Free agency's two words. LOL. <laughs> there we go. I'm about to sign it's off. Not... Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> but uh, it's just the way of doing waivers. You put it's almost like bidding. Uh, they run every day. You have to, you know, you could put in zero dollars if you want a guy just for a guy. Like if you're just picking up a kicker for a week, you don't have to spend any money. Uh, but I think there's been because the season's extended there's some people that like really don't try the first week or two because they they want to try to be at the lower uh waivers to try to get those guys break out especially after week one guys we don't know about if there's a big injury uh so letting everyone be active so fab and it also adds interesting to the the trade market as well when you can trade fab dollars so big big fan of fab i like it I mean, I've been coming on to Fab a lot more lately, too, especially because I think the more and more you dig into doing just regular waiver systems, the more you realize that there's faults to it. Mm -hmm. And no matter which way you do it, I mean, maybe one way is better than another, but there's there's faults. So I like the idea of Fab as well. Um, and if we need to learn more about Fab, feel free to ask us a question on our social media. We can explain it even deeper. Um, do you guys hate when you are the second highest scoring team in the league and you lose. I mean, I hate losing. So yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm the 10th highest <laughs> score. I still lost, but it's even worse when you're like, you know, second, third highest score or lose to the highest scoring team in the league. I've seen this rule kind of coming out more and more every single year. And it's the idea of you're playing two games every single week and you go, your second game is against the median. So essentially you have your normal matchup where you're facing, you know, one other team and then the top five scorers in the week overall would get another win bottom five, get a loss. So it's the idea of trying to award high scoring teams 
and it's supposed to kind of get rid of the luck aspect a little bit, but still there's luck to it. Yeah, I've heard it. And my counter argument is even in the NFL, sometimes you have the games like the Chiefs and Rams where it's 58, 55 shootout of the century. And there's also a game that week that finished 13, 17 and the team that won 15 or had 17 points, one, two. So you play your matchup. If you're if you're gonna do that, I'd say at that point just play, get rid of head to head matchups, and just play top five scores every week at a win. Yep. I, I don't think there's a point Makes of sense. having head to head matchups if you're going to still get a win for scoring in the top five. Tyler, you agree? Yeah, yeah. You might as well go to Roto at that point. Which Roto football? I know Roto's big in baseball. Roto football would be interesting something i have never done i think that was kind of how fantasy football started though um i've got one more cody i do you have any more i have one more and i'll go go ahead this i've never actually seen this rule done this is my own creation that i've never actually seen done uh it might have been at the screenshot you sent of it might have been along the same lines but you talked about it the time you have a person that has 40 points on your bench I would, uh, and again, this one needs an active commissioner. Every mm-hmm. team gets one alter, like alternative, like the mulligan. commissioner will go in and sub mulligan. mulligan, one mulligan. So one mulligan. But to keep it interesting, you have to send the message to the commissioner, like let's say, uh, by Tuesday at noon or something like that, and you post, you send it to him privately, so the player you're playing doesn't know if they're going to do it, just in case they have some guy that can do it. But you only get one for the whole season, including playoffs. So you can either save it for the playoffs or you can do a must-now win game. I've never seen it happen. I think it would be super fun. I think it would add another twist. Some people would get greedy and use week one and then wish they had it later in the season in a game that kind of counts more. But I think it would be a fun way to play fantasy football. Again, maybe probably not my main league, but if we're going to do some tester leagues, why not? I like the idea but I disagree on it being uh, eligible in the playoffs. I think it should be a regular season yep. only rule personally. Okay. I agree I mean, with that too. It would really suck to lose the championship. <laughs> if you use your mulligan and the other team didn't, and they had I go off. Like I get it. it. There is some gamemanship to it, but if we want to consensus or condense it to just the regular season, I'm cool with that as well. Yeah. I just feel like if you, put it into the playoffs you either have to do one for the regular season and one for the playoffs or everyone's just going to either save it for the playoffs or that must win game if they're like a borderline six seven seed and six make the playoffs um maybe you will get the one person that's greedy about it but it's just going to be i think chaos in the playoffs if you don't implement it just regular season but i do like the idea as well all right so my last rule here is kind of for the commissioners out there that have leagues that are kind of set you have got your set of guys maybe it rotates one or two around but you have like your solid set of league mates and it's the fantasy world cup so if you don't know anything about how the world cup works every four years you know the world puts together like a tournament of soccer teams and they play for you know world championship so essentially you in your fantasy league every fourth season you would say double the buy-in or something like that and you'd have like what's like basically a big you know league year to try to win some bigger prize than you do win in a normal year yeah i I can already see in cody's eyes right now he's like 
bro, I want the buy-in to be $5, and I'm tired of you guys trying to up it. No. Like, every year, Cody's like, no more buy-in. I will say, so I'm in a dynasty league um, that I think, I want to say a third of the buy-in or half of the buy-in. What a, part of the buy-in uh, goes into a separate pot. Um, and the way this dynasty league runs, it's kind of similar. So, like, or well, it's not every fourth year, but it's interesting. So I figured I'd throw it out there. Anyway, so the way this runs is half the pot, uh, half the buying goes into a separate pot and everybody plays every year. And once you win, you get that half the pot. You're still making a good chunk of change because you're still getting half the league. Um, only first pay- place gets paid. Um, now, if anybody wins back to back championships, they win the side pot. Um, they win the whole enchilada. They win all of it. Uh, the thought is that it's not going to happen right away. So that pot is going to build up and build up and build up. And if you build a dynasty team that becomes so dominant that you win back to back years, uh, then you will win this big pot. You'll get this big chunk of money. Um, sorry, what? You're good. Just keep going. Okay. Um, yeah, so you'll win this big chunk of change. Now, the way they make this interesting is if you win a championship that following year, you are not allowed to trade at all with anybody. Um, that's how they kind of handicap oh. you from being able to um, win so easily your second year. Again, it's not for everybody, but it's an interesting rule out there. So I have heard of one other league that's kind of similar to the one that you've said that works for redrafts. Um, or I guess for keeper leagues that aren't quite as, you know, you know, you can't build quite as much of like a dynasty as you can in a, you know, actual dynasty league. Um, and it's, I think they called it a jackpot league or something like that. Essentially you get together 10 to 12 teams and that league is together until, or like you can have people replace until somebody wins three championships. So you keep putting you know, the champion of that league uh, that year wins half the pot, half the pot goes to the end. And the first franchise to win three championships wins the entire pot. So it could, league could go on for like what, 25 years. If you think about it, if everyone keeps winning two championships or I guess 21 years is the max, but good chance. Like the league is still at least going to go 15 years or so. Cause you know, winning three championships is still difficult. Hey, we're at what yeah. ten years for the league, and nobody's won three championships yet. So, I was gonna say exactly, and there's there's two guys with two, but it's yeah, no one's won three championships. So, if you have a solid group of guys that's you know committed to the long term, and maybe you have to replace one or two you know franchises throughout, it's not a bad idea to do something like that, and then somebody wins the big jackpot when they have three championships, and you can even reset it and keep going after that. Yeah, it sounds like you need to find some new leagues that they're a little bit more competitive uh but guys <laughs> we have to get ready to wrap up the show we are running out of time it's been good to have us all back i'm sorry tyler no oddball fact this week we just don't have time for it that's how the i had it ready i'll screenshot it and use it next episode perfect so we have one so that's a little tease for next week uh if you have any fantasy rules that you implemented that we didn't mention we'd love to hear them so feel free to reach out to us at the couch gms i'm cody roadcap george kurth and tyler snyder for the couch gms podcast thanks for listening and we'll see you all in two weeks boom nice choo, choo.